Welcome. This is jazz, just the way we like it. My name is Alfonso <coughs> Severos, and this is my weekly jazz podcast. Recorded live at Brick Arts in downtown Brooklyn, the People's Republic of Brooklyn. We play those classic jazz songs of the 1950s, the 1960s, and the 1970s. And every now and then, we play some of the modern stuff. We discuss politics and social issues. So we mix jazz with current events and social issues. We play songs that I listened to as a young man growing up in Brooklyn in the Marcy Projects. And here I am now playing them for your pleasure. And also to introduce a younger generation to that fabulous art form known as jazz. I'm in the studio always with my good friend, well over 60, 65 years. We go back to the Marcy Projects, Boys High, and you name it. Uh, Lawrence Williams, hey Larry. Hey, how you doing, Al? What's up, man? How's everything? Everything is good, man. I'm, everything is really good. Mm-hmm. How's everything with you, brother? Yeah, everything's good. You know, I'm coming along, man. I had a nice Thanksgiving with the fam. And, oh, that's good. Uh, that's you know, good. All that was good. Yeah, man. You know, hey, man. You, we blink and we're in December, brother. Yeah, there we go. Man, <laughs> yeah. Doesn't it seems like life is moving by so fast uh, oh, lately? Yeah. Lately for me, anyway. Oh yeah, and uh, it seems like I'm moving so slow. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah. All right, folks, you know, uh, we always start our podcast out with a song that addresses issues of social issues, social justice, things of that nature, a song, a poem, something that speaks to the human condition. And uh, here's a piece by a group, and you may have heard of them because I played them many times, Playing for Change. And, you know, Playing for Change brings together talent and voices from diverse corners of the world. And they, they sing they, they sing popular songs and songs that, that have to do with change and humanity. And here's a song called Waiting on the World to Change. Wow, what a what a title. Waiting on the World to Change. And it's about the need for change in the world, both with climate change and social justice. And these are musicians from all over the world. So listen to waiting for the world to change.
your television What you get is what you got When the older information knows That at home and wrong So we keep on waiting, waiting Waiting on the world to change for change waiting for the world to change larry how'd you like that one that's beautiful man those i, I i'm just curious as to how uh, they're able to put this all together from all around the world and for it to homogenize the way that it does it sounds i don't know just beautiful yeah, well, you know, electronics, brother. Yeah, that's. I guess that's what it's about. But yeah. it's just, Recording it's a wonderful. It's a, it's a wonder to me. Yeah. Uh, because it's a, it's perfect in harmony, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got you know good audio folks. They can do it. But the the song itself is a fabulous song, and it speaks to sustainable future, emphasizing the importance of humanity and coming together to support one another. Um, and that's our social justice song, folks. Uh, waiting for the world to change by playing for change. All right, man. <clears throat> Before we get into today's show, there's a, a little topic for discussion. We're about a year out from the uh, presidential election, the 24th presidential election. And some of the polls show Biden behind, way behind, not way behind, but behind Trump. Uh, and some people say, oh, it's only a year out. A lot of people are not paying attention to it, don't pay too much attention <clears> to <throat> it. And the question is, should they pay attention to the polls? Um, the fact that Trump's in the lead right now, and, 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 and they say you got to look at the numbers. The numbers are not there. People are not accounted in the poll. But in a year from now, uh, it, that will not be the result. Uh, when people begin to look at him and his record and the jail time that he's facing, they would uh, 
go towards Biden in spite of his age. However, there is a trend that Democrats seem to be concerned about, and that is the disinterest, especially among young uh, black and Latino voters who seem to be dissatisfied with the direction of the Biden administration, both on domestic and foreign policy. Larry, the question is, should, should uh, the Democrats be concerned about Biden's poll number, especially with black and Latinos? I think that uh, if they're not concerned, that would be a stupid thing for them to, to be. Uh, you don't sleep something like that. What you do, you try to address that and try to try to bring those numbers up by finding out what is what is the, uh, the, the disinterest and what are they dissatisfied with Biden about. Well, I think number one, uh, you know, he made certain promises that he wasn't able to keep, so uh, they may not have that much trust in Biden at this point. Um, and it might not be the better of two evils uh, when it comes to the age factor because Donald lately has been making a lot of mistakes and when, when he uh, speaks before people. So the age thing is almost an equal thing between uh, Trump being 70-plus uh, uh, and, you know, Biden 80-plus. So... Uh, there's very little difference between that uh, and what's happening in terms of uh, of that. But the thing that gets me is that if the Democrats are not smart enough to address this issue, they will definitely lose. That it's no two two possibilities. You can't sleep this. You have to find out what's causing it and how you can make it better. That's how I see it. Well, they're saying that it's too early and that. Most people are not interested at this point, and, and that the numbers don't reflect a true picture. That's what they're saying. And they're saying once they begin to focus in on uh, uh, Trump, what he's given him plenty of time to put his foot in his mouth over and over when he keeps talking about what he's going to do, he's going to lose the independent voters. And they think that they can wheel in the black and Latino vote significantly enough to uh, have Biden get a win in, say, the, the key states of Wisconsin and Georgia, especially Georgia. Uh, and they don't think that, that uh, Trump has increased his following. If anything, he decreased his following and that independents are not going to go with him. I think that's probably right. I think that independents are probably not going to go with him uh, because of the criminal... Um, um, things that he's up against as well as, uh, you know, the fact that he lies so much that, that it's just not, in, you know, it's just like, I just can't see, like, why you people can't see that this man wants a dictatorship. He wants to change this country from a democracy to a dictatorship where what he says is, what it is you know what he does is what it is and if he gets elected i wouldn't be surprised if within uh the the first year of his administration that this country is under martial law 
That, I mean, maybe I'm going a little far out with it. No, you're not necessarily. If you listen to what he says he's going to do, he's going to dismantle the Justice Department. He's talking about arresting generals. He's talking about using the, the, the military in, in, in a policing fashion. Uh, all that's out there is what his true heart supporters want. Yeah. So he's not saying nothing that's foreign to that 25, 30 percent of the population who are diehard Trump people. Right. But he's scaring the hell out of the other 65, 75 percent, and that includes independents. Okay. Dismantling the Justice Department. Yeah. Putting it under the White House. This this guy is is is. You're right. He's talking about you know uh, centralizing power in the federal in the. Uh, Executive, executive branch, branch yeah, yeah. mainly him himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, that's a scary situation for me. I, 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 I don't see how people can. can well, I guess if you, I guess if you're a, a white American who's feeling uh, the slowly slipping away of power, would like somebody to as who appears to be as powerful as him. To change situations, to change the tide, to go against the tide, because the tide uh, is um, uh, the, the population is moving more yeah. and more brown uh, than it is white, and and eventually, as you've mentioned before, eventually uh, uh, the black and Latinos are going to have more people in this country than yeah. than, than whites. And, and the thing not, of it is, is that the Right-wing conservative, in order to gain power and maintain power, are feeding this narrative, both in the media, Fox News, and they're constantly bombarding folks with misinformation. I was upstate, and I went with my sister to Walmart, and we went to buy something. We were standing in line with the lady, a lady, a white lady, by the way. It wasn't so much the fact that she was white, but it was important that what she had to say. She was from upstate New York, and she said, uh, you know, we need to close the border with Mexico because too many terrorists are coming through. And I, I said, miss, there hasn't been one documented case of terrorists coming through the southern border. None. No. And I says, really, if I, if I was a terrorist, I wouldn't bother to go through checkpoints on the southern border. I'd just come through Canada, walk across. She says, oh, no, 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 they're coming through. And I says, like, which ones? They haven't done, no, terrorists hasn't done no bombing here. The terrorists who've been doing bombing here and shooting here has been Americans, shooting Americans. Well, she still didn't want to hear it. No, well, she's. Yes. I wasn't people, feeding into her narrative of the world. Yeah, yeah, because she, I, I don't know how to put it, but they believe so much that this this is truth, that Fox News is truth. Yes. That they, you know, they they believe yeah. this. Yeah. Well, you know the power of belief. It's like religion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One hundred percent. So if you tie you tie your politics with your religion, in which you know the conservatives have done. Right. It's a double whammy. Yeah. Now the thing about Donald now, he's been one of the things about the abortion issue. He wants to be a moderate in terms of the abortion issue. So he's trying to bring independence in that way. So 
That was one of the things, one of the speeches that that he made recently. So I don't know whether or not that goes well with the evangelists. No, no. I don't think that would go well with them. No, because but he, I don't think he can. Because yeah. he, I think he wants to be the king yeah. of this country or whatever the term is yeah. that you want to use for him. Well, you know, uh, there's a real, real possibility that, that this spring with the New York case, he may be in jail. So there's a real possibility. People say, oh, no, he won't go to jail. Oh, yes, he will. They ha He had some key people turned against him in his administration who are turning evidence. Now, they're not playing. They arrested over 1,000 people in the uh, January, January 6th, and yeah. they still have a list of people they're going after. Yeah. And they are turning evidence and evidence and building a case in New York and and uh, George, and he knows it. So he's rhetoric, you know, uh, upping the rhetoric and everything yeah. to uh, keep it off him as much as he can any way possible. Yeah. Because uh does not look good for this man, and which I'm very happy about, by the way. <laughs> You're not by yourself there, bro. Yeah. And then you are not by yourself. They have nobody else. DeSantos fell on his butt with his crazy politics. He can't, he can't get nothing. And now the second person is Haley. And once people listen to this crazy lady from South Carolina, she ain't going nowhere. She ain't going nowhere. You know, they can't win just on one simple issue, the abortion issue. That's that's what's knocking them down right now, the abortion. That's why he's trying to change his, yeah. his, his thing. But, then, but uh, if you do change, you're going to lose the people. Not that they're going to go Democratic. They may not vote, which will hurt you anyway. All the Democrats have to say is you're the guy that appointed the judges that turned overturned Roe v. versus Wade. Yeah, yeah. It was, that, was, that was one of the criteria you use in the appointment of judges. Right. The federal judges to the Supreme Court. Larry, let's get going, man. This is going to be a good show, brother. All we right, switch I'm looking it up, forward to man. it. Yeah. We're doing collaborative, uh, John Coltrane collaborators, people who John Coltrane played with. And he played with a lot of folks, especially in his early years, before he uh, did uh, My Favorite Thing and uh, I Love Supreme. Um, so there was many artists who John Coltrane played with before these recordings and even after these recordings. But we're going to start it out with a piece by John Coltrane and Johnny Hartman. And man, what a combination. And if you used to watch the Cosby show, you know this song, My One and Only Love. Bill Cosby used to play this on his show. Uh, but this was uh, a piece that had Johnny uh, Hartman singing and uh, uh, John Coltrane playing McCoy Tyner on piano. And it was, it was released in uh, 1963. So sit back and enjoy this. Thank you. 
thought of you makes my heart sing like an April breeze on the wings of spring, and you appear in all your splendor, my one and only love. Shadows fall and spread their mystic charms in the hush of night. While you're in my arms, I feel your lips so warm and tender, my one and only. The touch of your hand is like heaven, a heaven that I've never known. The blush on your cheek, whenever I speak, tells me that you are my. Such desire, every kiss you give sets my soul on fire. I give myself in sweet surrender, my one and only love, my one. Johnny Hartman, vocal, John Coltrane, tenor sax, McCoy Tyner on piano, Jimmy Garrison on bass, and Elvin Jones on the drums. My One and Only Love, recorded in 1963, and that's one of the all-time great jazz romantic love songs, Larry. Yeah, it's beautiful, man. Uh, uh, Johnny Hartman's voice is just, it's, it's melodic. It's, it's, like, it's like silk. It's, like, it's just so... Yeah. Smooth. It's just when I think of it, I think you know he sounds. I think of Arthur Price or people like that. Yeah, you yeah. know uh, those fabulous singers back then. They had such control of the voice, male uh, singers. jazz singers. Yeah. I don't see that much today. No, I, I don't. Not the way that you know that deep baritone. Yeah, type. Oh man, that that was and it it it. it goes so perfectly with trained sax. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It's just, just smooth. smooth. Yes, smooth. yes, yes, yes. I really, uh, I I love that song, that, you know. Yeah, yeah. My one and only love. Yeah, folks. One of the treasures of jazz, romantic songs. Uh, we're doing uh, John Coltrane's collaborations, people who John Coltrane played with, and that's... Uh, 
collaborate. He did quite a few songs with Johnny Hartman, and we may play one of them later, another one later. But right now, we're going to move on to someone he played with, and this is an unusual collaboration because it's John Coltrane and Duke Ellington. And uh, they, they put an album out together, uh, and it's called Duke Ellington and John Coltrane. Uh, and this is one of the songs on the album. It's called The Feeling of Jazz. John Coltrane, Duke Ellington.
Uh, that's a 1962 song called The Feeling of Jazz from John Coltrane and Duke Ellington, an album put out. Uh, John Coltrane on sax, Duke Ellington on piano, uh, Aaron uh, Bell on the uh, bass, and Sam Woodard on the drums. You know, it was interesting listening to that, Larry, because uh, uh, train goes off, as train always do. You know, this is '62, man. He's he's climbing. Yeah. Uh, Duke Ellington is just playing like chords. Yeah. It's like he's just trying to get through it. You know. Yeah. I thought you know the Duke would have tried to extend it some his playing. No, he didn't he at all. He didn't at all. He was just like playing behind him, like yeah. totally. I was trying to fit, and then he tried. You know, like it was like he was train would melt in after after a chord that he played. Train would do something, um, but I, I never saw or heard Duke take the lead. No, he, he never did. He never took the lead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a, a little uh, surprise piece. That, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> uh, but it's it's still a, a, a good album, folks, the Duke Ellington and uh, John Coltrane. Uh, a good piece. They put it out in 1962, and that's just one of the songs from the album called The Feeling of Jazz. Well, we're doing collaborations, people who John Coltrane collaborated with. Uh, and it was a lot, folks. But here's, here's a... How'd you like that one, though, Larry? Oh, that was beautiful. You know, I mean, I mean, Duke is... Uh, Duke is another smooth type of uh, uh, piano player. He... he uh, <clears throat> What I thought was kind of interesting to me was that Duke usually plays with an orchestra, and the fact that he was playing with a quartet this time mm-hmm. uh, was a little bit different. Um, and usually, mo- most of his, uh, I think his his uh, albums are with an orchestra because he had an orchestra, the Duke Ellington Orchestra. Yeah, but, but yeah. This was different, and I liked I liked the fact that he's able to yeah was able rather to. To be able to play in a quartet, and as well as a massive, yeah. you know, orchestra. Well, some of his songs, man. If you hear early, early Duke, man, he 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 can play that piano. No oh yeah, oh it. yeah. There's the, yeah, I, I I would never take that away from him. But it was just that in this particular uh, yeah. song, he's he laid back. He laid Second back. fiddle. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, even though the album is Duke Ellington and John Coltrane, yeah. it's not John Coltrane and Duke Ellington. Yeah, you got that right. Yeah. And uh, that's a good observation. Yeah. Um, all right, man. Let's let's get another collaborator with John Coltrane, man. This is this is John Coltrane and uh, Cannonball Adley on uh, 1959, 59, folks. When before he was out there, uh, he he was doing it, you know, collaborating with people in the fifties, but he didn't have his group formed yet. And uh, many of the songs that he's popular, made popular and is known for John Coltrane uh, weren't recorded yet. But this is a collaboration with uh, uh, John Coltrane, Cannonball Adley, called The Sleeper. So sit back and enjoy. Trying to get the music up. Thank you. 
that's the sleeper from the Cannonball Coltrane album recorded in 1959 with Cannonball Adley or Julian Cannonball Adley uh, on alto sax, John Coltrane on tenor sax, Winton Kelly on piano, Paul Chambers on the bass, and Jimmy Cobb on the drums, and they bring it. They bring it, Larry. How'd you like that piece? Yeah, they like you said. They bring it. They bring it. They bring it. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, and train every once in a while. I had to do a little scat in there, a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit. I'm just coming out in a little while. I'll be out there. But uh, I like I like the way that they they uh, they collaborated on this. It was really good. Uh, 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 Cannonball, you know, he's a, a little bit more mellow. Uh, than train, but this on this one he he was out he was out there a little bit, mm-hmm. and I I really enjoyed it. All right, yeah, that was uh, and uh, Cannonball held his own, man. He uh, he did not back down. Yeah, no, uh, no, he didn't. Yeah, <clears throat> well, folks, man, we are doing collaborations with a uh, John Coltrane and uh, Cannonball Adley. Uh, and here's one. You probably know this piece, man. Uh, this is an old piece, folks. Uh, done with Sonny Rollins uh, and, and John Coltrane called Tenor Madness. Here's John Coltrane, uh, Sonny Rollins with Paul Chambers, Philly Joe Jones. Tenor Madness. Sit back and enjoy.
The Wallbot DIY2 is the most advanced. Oh, I got stuck on this one, folks. Uh, that was not supposed to happen on Ten of Madness, not at all. Sorry about that. Uh, so we'll uh, see if we can correct that and go back to Sonny Rollins in Ten of Madness.
Tenor Madness, the Sonny Rollins group, uh, recorded in 1956 with Sonny Rollins on tenor sax, Red Garling on the piano, Paul Chambers on the bass, and Philly Joe Jones on the drums with the guest appearance of John Coltrane. But that was Sonny Rollins' group, Tenor Madness. Hey, Larry, how'd you like that? That was good, man. That was very good. <laughs> they weren't they weren't barking at each other too bad. You know, it was they 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 uh they they mix well. They mix well together on that one. They weren't like uh, competing against each other. I don't think on that one. No, there wasn't a competition. You know, uh, in '56, John Coltrane was you know uh, not well known. Yeah. Uh, and that was that was uh, Sonny Rollins' group. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so usually, like when you're not that well known, you usually play like a little bit less than. He did. Yeah, that was mainly Sonny Rollins playing. Yeah, but Train was there, no doubt, no doubt. All right, man. Here's a uh, a uh, keep this collaboration stuff. Keep it going with the collaboration with uh, an old piece by uh, Milt Jackson and John Coltrane. This is an old old piece, man, that was done uh, a while ago. Uh, with Milt Jackson, John Coltrane on a play on a piece called Bags and Train. Uh, it was recorded in 1959 and released in 1961 with uh, John Coltrane on tenor sax, Milt Jackson on vibraphone, uh, Paul Chambers on bass, and Connie uh, K on the drums, and Hank Jones on the piano. So uh, sit back and enjoy. Bags and trains.
That's Bags and Train, Milt Jackson, John Coltrane, recorded in 1959, but released in 1961. With John Coltrane on tennis sax, Milt Jackson on vibraphones, Paul Chambers on the bass, Connie Kay on the drums, and Hank Jones on the piano. And that was nice, Larry. Yeah, yeah, it was real nice. I like that. Yeah. I like like, uh, Milt Jackson when he plays the vibes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's really good. Oh, yeah, and a nice little collaboration. That was an old piece. They recorded that in 59. Yeah, man. yeah. You know? Nice uh, and mellow. Yeah, yeah. It could be something like a, on like a, uh, a theme song for one of the shows on television. It could be. Not that it is, but it could yeah, be. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Well, folks, we're going to keep moving on. we got a little time left to uh, continue with some of John Coltrane's collaborations. <laughs> and here's a... a uh, from the John Coltrane African Brass album. Uh, it's John Coltrane, and there's a lot of folks play on this, but the one main person he collaborated with was Eric Doffy. So this is uh, Green Sleeves. Uh, sit back and enjoy this one. This was done in 1961, folks. Thank you. 
John Coltrane, the African Brass album, uh, Green Sleeves, featuring Eric Doffey, John Coltrane on tenor sax, Herbie Hancock on trumpet, Julian uh, Preston, Charles Greenlid on trombone, Eric Doffey on alto sax and bass clarinet, McCoy Tyner, piano, Elvin Jones on drums, Paul Chambers, and Reggie Workman on the bass. They had a group playing on that one. Larry. Yeah, that's a big group, man. All great musicians on that one. Yeah, 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 I loved it. Loved the the sounds that came out of the instruments. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely, man. Yeah, I would love that. Love, 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 love to have been on that recording. Love to have seen that one, all of them together like that. Yeah, man, it must have been a fabulous show. Yeah. Well, folks, we were playing some John Coltrane collaborations, people who John Coltrane played with, especially in his early years, the 50s and early 60s, before he formed his famous group. I hope you enjoyed uh, the selection that we made. uh, Larry, man, it's that time. Yeah, man, it was great. Great show today, Al. I loved it. Thank you. You know how much I love Coltrane. Oh, we all do, man. We all, we're product of the 60s, man, which means we got John John Coltrane, Farrell Saunders in our blood. Yeah, exactly. Well, folks, it's that time where we're going to go out on a John Coltrane and Thelonious Monk selection called Sweet and Lovely. And I hope everybody out there enjoyed the podcast. Uh, remember, spread the word. Tell people we're out there. We're on a number of channels. Uh, jazz just the way we like it and as always folks thank you for listening and to the next time peace and love Carnegie Hall.
Thank <laughs> you. 